look over at Psalms. Psalm 145. Psalm 145, we're going to start out here. Well, I'm going to preach this morning. Is that okay with you? I got, I got my preaching vest on. So, and if I can't preach with Pastor Sandy, Miss Crystal, and Bishop here, then then you can't preach. Then you can't preach. Then go ahead and just just sit down because you cannot preach. If those three are there encouraging you, you have no excuse than to not preach. So uh, I'm gonna preach to you if that's all right. And uh, we're gonna get started here in Psalms 145 and verse three. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. See, Miss <laughs> Crystal, she, she already held from me. Man, Pastor Keith, you got a treasure when you got Miss Crystal down there at your church. Come on. Psalms 145, four, uh, we'll start at verse 3 and then go to verse 4. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, this is a key verse for today. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. But notice that one generation shall praise your works to another, not keep it to themselves. You guys are ready. I, can, I mean, I can feel that. I haven't even said anything yet, and you guys are encouraging me. Notice that one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Amen? Let's look over at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. I think this is my first bilingual service. So, this is awesome. So, I'm going to start my Hispanic ministry here pretty soon. Put some teaching tapes out. Gloria a Dios. <laughs> Second Timothy 1. Everybody there? It says, uh, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, his son of faith. It says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first, notice, in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it is also in you. Notice that there was a transference of the faith from the grandmother to the mother to the son. And notice the Apostle Paul says, and I'm persuaded also, Timothy, that that same genuine or real faith is in you also. Amen? Well, uh, Dad asked me to speak today about the importance of reaching the next generation. So that's what I'm going to preach on. How many know if your dad asks you about preaching on something, you should preach on what he asked you. So that's what I'm doing today. We're preaching about reaching the next generation and the importance of sharing the gospel with the next generation. And um, it's good he asked me to speak on that because that's something I'm pretty excited about and something I'm pretty involved in. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, if that's okay with you. So if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Reaching a Generation. Is Reaching a Generation. You know, uh, as we get started here, some of the things I, I say are going to be maybe a little blunt, maybe a little real, but if 
we don't have talks like this, nothing will change and nothing will happen. And we'll stay the same and we'll stay ineffective churches and we'll stay mediocre churches and we'll stay small churches and we'll live and die and the older generation will die off and there will be no church. And then we will sell your church to a local company in your community and there will be no church there anymore. So uh, we're going to say some straight things, some real things today, if that's okay with you. And uh, some real talk, as we, as we call it on Thursday nights, we say, I'm about to talk some real talk right now, if you can, if you can hear this. So uh, let me just say this ahead of time. I, I don't want to uh, hurt anybody's feelings or step on any toes, and I realize a lot of you ministers in here are, are a lot more seasoned than I am, and I respect each and every one of you, but can you please hear my heart today on what I'm saying? I'm not saying this in any way to disrespect anybody or anything, but... Uh, the pastor in charge of this asked me to speak on this. So blame him, not me. He told me to. He says, y'all need some help, so go ahead and preach this to him. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, so, like I said, we're going to talk some straight things. And uh, I, I've shared this with some of the leaders that helped me out with uh, the Corey, which is our kind of youth and young adults group. And I said, uh, you know, the reason churches don't, don't change, they stay ineffective, and they, they, they never step into that next phase or next dimension and don't really reach people is because they never have these kind of talks because they're afraid people's feelings are going to get hurt. Uh, they're afraid that somebody's going to get mad. So they never address the issues that are really shooting themselves in the foot. And so we're going to address some of those things today. And... Uh, you know, as we get started here, I'm not a, like a statistic preacher, but the statistics are very uh, true, and uh, it's really it's kind of discouraging if you just looked at the statistics that, uh, and this is more than just one person doing these statistics, but it says that pretty much 80 to 90 percent of kids that grow up in church will leave the church when they're 18. 80 to 90 percent. That's a lot of young people leaving the church. And uh, that, that wasn't just in one, one uh, person's journal. That was in uh, several things I looked up. 80 to 90% will leave the church at 18. And so that tells me that we're really not doing a good job when they're in children's church and when they're in youth. We're not putting what needs to be in them necessary to, to make them last for the long run. If they're leaving the church at 18, then there's an issue. And let's not put all the blame on them or they're just rebellious and they got a devil. Or maybe it's our fault that they're leaving. I said this was going to be real talk. So let's not, let's not just, just throw them all out and say, you know, they just got an attitude and they're rebellious. Yeah, we know there's some kids like that. But some of this might be our fault as pastors and leaders that they're leaving our churches because we're not doing a good job reaching them properly. And so the statistics, like I said, are ridiculous. 80 to 90% is a lot of, and these are church-going young people. These are not worldly young people. These are people that have grown up in the church, are leaving the church when they turn around 17, 18 years old, when they get out of the house, when they're old enough to make their own decisions. Why are they leaving? We've got to answer that question. You know, the funny thing about that is, and a lot of things I read is, they leave the church, but then late, late 20s and 30s, they come back to church. Because they start having children, and they, uh, they get married, and they start getting serious about life, but they just try to screw up their life for about 10 years. So if we could just knock out those 10 years, we're going to be doing good. And so the thing is, those, 
young people don't have to experience that heartache and pain for those 10 years and then, then get back together and then, then get everything back properly in place in their life and then get back to church when they're 30 and now they got to be delivered of all these things that they could have avoided if they would have stayed in the church. But many pastors are not reaching them properly so they don't stay in the church. Hello, somebody. So we gotta, we got we to gotta really address this because, you know, I've said this uh, several times, especially to our young people, and it's amazing. we got a, a really large college-age group in our church right now. And that's awesome because they are all in that age bracket, and they've decided to stay in the house of God. And that didn't happen on accident. That happened on purpose because we care about the young people, and we care about the youth and the young adults. But I've seen it. This is not just statistic, but... Uh, generations past in Jessica's youth groups and my youth groups, a lot of them are no longer with us. I graduated with a lot of people. There's like a few left out of that uh, 40 to 50 people that grew up at Church on the Rock. Not a play with at church. Grew up at Church on the Rock their whole life. I mean, I can name 40 or 50 people off the top of my head that I grew up with that are no longer with us anymore. What happened? And we're not blaming everything on the church, but we know part of it is their choices. But then part of it, we got to look at ourselves and say, did we miss something? Did we do something wrong to not reach them pro- properly? So no condemnation with what I'm saying today. But we got to realize this. We got to take a look at ourselves and say, is, is, is my part, am I, am I part to blame at what has happened here? And we know you can do your best with some people and they're going to make a dumb decision anyways. So we just got the dumb decision people that are out of the box here. But for the majority, I, I, I know for a fact, because I can see it, the fruit in our group right now, our youth and young adults at our church, is that if you train them properly, if you teach them properly, if you, you show them that they're important properly, that they will stay in the house of God. And they can avoid that 10 years of heartache and pain and not have to get delivered. Well, we just can start here. That's my intro to today. So, by these statistics, it says that we're really not doing that good of a job reaching young people. See, we could, uh, we could trick ourselves into thinking we're really reaching young people because we've got good children's ministry and good youth ministry. But if they don't stay in the church once they hit 18, then we really didn't do a good job. We really didn't. So, you could try to say, oh, we've got an awesome youth and children's ministry. But if they leave the church at 18, it wasn't that awesome, was it? couple grunts and a couple amens what I expected so let's read here again in 2 Timothy 1 5 2 Timothy 1 5 I'm just getting started hey Pastor Keith helping me too 2 Timothy 1 5 it says when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you notice which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded it is in you also Notice that. It was in your grandmother, and it was in your mother, and now it's in you, Timothy. And Timothy was a young man. You know, I wanted to read this verse because uh, Dad mentioned it. uh, It's probably been a month or so ago. I talked about leaving an inheritance, and that's the whole uh, message was talking about the importance of handing our faith to the next generation. And that's all I talked about. The whole service was the importance of reaching the generations with the gospel. 
and we realize this if you read your Bible any that God is all about generations God mentions the generations all the time in the Bible you notice he always says Abraham Isaac and Jacob why because God's into generations and God didn't just care about your generation he cares about your children and your children's children and then them passing on to their children and the generations will continually be passing on the good news of the gospel to the next generation he doesn't just say the God of Abraham. No, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he's a generational God. And he cares about the generations. And we need to care about the generations. And notice it says, it's the faith of your grandmother Lois, the faith of your mother Eunice. And notice that faith is also in you, Timothy. Something got passed on to Timothy. And it said it was a, a genuine faith or a real faith, not a fake, a phony faith that you'll leave the church when you're 18 faith. No, a genuine faith that's going to make you last for the long haul. You know, I'm, I, I say this on Thursday nights. I'm not preaching to you just so you'll have a couple awesome years in high school and a couple awesome years in college, and then you'll go do whatever the heck you want for the rest of your life. I'm trying to train up disciples that when you're 30 and you're 40 and you're 50, you're still planted in the house of God. You're still loving your mate. You're still raising your children in the house of God. And when you're 70 and 80 years old, you're still serving God and much more. So I'm not speaking to you just so I can have a couple good years with you and then you forget everything I taught you we got to teach these young people with a vision for their future that, hey, I'm putting something into them. When they're a grandparent, they're going to remember these things I'm saying to them right now. And you got to realize the most valuable thing you can pass on to the next generation is not your money, is not your good looks, which else would be appreciated. It's not any of those things. The most important thing you can give to your children and your children's children is your faith. That's the most important thing. And so many of us are saying, you know, uh, you know I, I'm all about education. I'll get you whatever kind of education you want. That's awesome. You know, I got a big inheritance waiting for you in your bank account. That's awesome. I got this and this waiting for you. But the most important thing you can give your children and your children's children is faith. Why? Because if you've got faith, you can get the rest of the stuff. <laughs> hey, your parents don't even have to give you any money. If they teach you faith, you'll have your own money. And maybe you could take care of your parents. I'm, I didn't. Pastor Sandy anointing got on me really right quick for a second. Some of you parents just got blessed with what I just said there. But notice, if you give them faith, you don't have to give them anything else. They can get everything else. I mean, it would be a plus if you could give us some money, too. Your recibo. So realize that the most important thing you can give to your children or your children's children is your faith. So the first thing I really wanted to deal with, and uh, we're going to discuss some of these things, and then we're going to go into some real practical things I wrote down about reaching young people, young adults, uh, but before we go into that, we were talking about you giving your faith to your children and your children's children. And I'm not just talking about naturally. I'm talking to you pastors as spiritually. Yeah, you need to hand it to your natural children, but all of you who have churches here, you are the spiritual parents of that church. 
hello, you are the spiritual parents of that church, and it's your responsibility to hand your faith to that next generation. You know, uh, I put down here, for all you uh, senior pastors in here, if reaching the next generation is not a priority as you as the senior pastor, it's not going to happen. I don't care if you've got a bunch of awesome young people that want to do it. If you really don't care, that's what you're going to have in your church. If you don't see the importance, it doesn't matter how many young people are trying to do something in your church. If you, as the senior leader and the senior pastor, do not have that in your heart and do not make that a priority, it's not going to happen in your church. Why? Because you're the parent. And if the parent doesn't decide to pass it on to their children, guess what? Aunts and uncles and cousins can help, but the parents are the ones that need to pass it on. So you, as a senior pastor, you've got to realize this. If reaching the next generation is not a priority to you, don't be surprised when there's no young people at your church. Don't be surprised when you just see gray heads in the audience. Because you are the mother and the father of that house, and if it's not a priority for your household, you're going to see the fruit of that in your church. You know... um, We've had several people compliment our church about the children's ministry with Brother Sean and the youth and young adults ministry at our church. And um, people ask us, you know, well, you know, how do you do that, or what's the the keys to that? And we got to go back to what I just said here. It's a priority to mom and dad, so that's why it's a priority to our church. If they didn't care, then it wouldn't happen like that. And mom and dad have decided a long time ago that we're going to have a family church and we're going to reach all the generations and we're not going to just, uh, just make one, one group of people a priority. We're going to make every generation a priority. And so uh, really, mom and dad, since the beginning of this church, has made it a priority. But if they wouldn't have made it a priority, we wouldn't have a children's church or a youth ministry like we do. And uh, this, is, this is kind of funny, but you know, mom and dad have always the majority of the things that we uh, get behind financially and we get behind as a vision of this church, we're always talking about the children's ministry with Brother Sean. We're always talking about the youth ministry. We're always talking about camp. We're always talking about Bible Adventure Week. That's on purpose because they care about the next generation. If they didn't care, it wouldn't be like that. So all you senior leaders realize if it's not a priority to you, you'll see the fruit of that in your church. And uh, I like to say this, mom, as a spiritual mother in this house, almost to the point of offending older people, I said, like, like, we don't care about you, pretty much. Like, you can come or go, but we really don't care. See, I had to preach a message to make up with the older people for her. I'm like, no, we, we still love you. We need you. Don't go down to the Baptist church. Don't go down to the Presbyterian church. We love you. We love you, white-haired people. We love you. We need you. And mom was like, we don't care about y'all. We just need young people here. She didn't say that. Pretty close, pretty close. But realize it's always been their priority, so that's what the church embodies. And like I said, to a point of almost offending some people, Mom is a youth minister at heart and is still bossing me around as a youth minister. And that's their priority. So that's why our church is the way it is. 
I'm telling the truth, aren't I? And so we got to realize this, that that is their priority, so that's where the, the fruit is. And you know what? We don't apologize for having a good children's and youth ministry. So many churches almost apologize for spending a lot of money and putting a lot of their focus on children's and youth ministry when you got to realize that's the next generation. If you don't reach them, there will be no church tomorrow. You can sell your church to a company down the street once you die off. And really, Dr. Summerall said, if you don't have a successor, you're a failure. Hey, I don't care how big your church was when you were in your 20s and 30s. If you don't pass it on to anybody, you're a failure. Real talk. I said I would talk real talk, didn't I? That's what he said. That's a man who passed on his legacy to, his genera- to the next generations. You know, right now he has a grandson in Indianapolis that pastors an awesome church, Dr. Summerall's grandson. What did he do? He imparted that faith into not just his children, but to his children's children. Here's, here's something before we get down to some really practical stuff about reaching the next generation. Am I good on time here? I don't know when I started. We know I'm long-winded like my father, so I don't apologize for that. If it's all good wind, then you shouldn't care. That's what I got to say. If you ain't right, you want me to be quiet, so... Realize this, if, if, you, if you impart this, and you, you might not even speak this from your pulpit, but if this is what your young people think, then you won't have a church full of young people. If your young people keep thinking that they're the church of tomorrow instead of the church of today, you won't have young people. Our priority in our church is not, hey, you're the church of tomorrow. When you get about 30 or 40, we're really going to use you. But till then, no, that's... And you know what? When tomorrow comes, they won't be there. But our pastors here have said, no, you're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. And we need you right now, whether you're 12, whether you're 24, whether you're 32, we need you right now. And you need to do something for God right now. We don't have time for you to get married and until you start having all these children when you're 40 and 50. We need you right now. We don't need you to wait all that time. You're wasting your time waiting to do something when you can be doing something right now. And we need you right now. And how much more can you do in your life if you start young like that than wait till you're 40 or 50 to start doing something for God? I heard you, Bishop. You helped me. You helped me. I heard that all the way over here. That's my partner right there. That's my covenant. Preaching, brother. But if you keep implying that to your young people then they won't be there tomorrow you know in everything we do at our church we show that the young people are not the church of tomorrow they're the church of today in our praise and worship you can see that over 40 to 50 percent of our our uh, praise team is young people some nights it's all young people Some pastors have a problem with that. You know, if you, if you look at our ministry help, you look at the people serving in the back. You look at the people helping out at Bible Adventure Week. You look at the people helping out in the kids' church. You look at the people parking cars. You look at the people doing all these things around church. They're not just older people. They're younger people. And we don't say, no, you need to grow up, and then you can start helping out in the church. No, you're important today, and we need you today. And they need to know that. If they don't feel like they're important today, they won't be there tomorrow. 
And so we embody that. You know, it says a lot about what, what you value and what you believe in on who you put on the platform. And we're selling all our people that I don't care if you're young. If you can worship, then we want you on our platform. If you got the right heart, you don't have to wait till you're 30 or 40 to praise God. You can get up here right now. And that's the thing. A lot of churches had gifted, talented young people that could have been used, but you said, you know, I'll use you someday and I'll use you then. And they go take their talents and gifts out to the world because the church hasn't used them. And we can't get mad at them for doing that. You decided not to use them. So they're going to use their gifts somewhere because God meant them for, to use their gifts somewhere. And if you don't value that at the church, they will use their gifts for the world. And we decided a long time ago, we need your gifts today. We need you today, and you're valuable today, and we're going to use you and plug you in because you're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. Well, can I get an amen on that one? You know, um, I got a quote here, a story about a pastor here, and then a quote. There is a, you guys all know who Pastor Willie George is. Let me translate that. Gospel Bill. For all you 90s kids. Gospel Bill. You guys remember Gospel Bill? Bill Gunner. Covenant Rider. But Pastor Willie George, uh, I just wanted to tell you a story he told and give you a quote he had. Now, Pastor Willie George, he's a pastor today, and he's, I'd say he's probably around the same age as Dad. And Pastor Willie George, he pastors the biggest church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Church on the Move. And it's a very large church, I'd say at least over 10,000 people. It's it's a very big, influential church, their church, Church on the Move. And Pastor Willie George has been in the ministry for a long time. As you can see, he he was doing uh, children's shows back in the 80s and 90s, reaching young people. And um, he shared a couple things uh, on one of these services, he had a, a conference uh, called Seeds Conference, and it was uh, dealing with reaching people and reaching the next generation. And he was saying this. He said um, that he saw so many ministers in his life, and, you know, Willie George grew up with the same people we all know and love, Dr. Lester Summerall, Brother Copeland, and Or Roberts, and all these generals of faith. He knew all those people. He He had relationships with all these men, but he said... He would see in some of their ministries once they got older that they really didn't do that good a job reaching the next generation. He wasn't being critical, but he had to be truthful. I said, real talk here. And he said some of those ministers, even he said Oral Roberts, which he said he highly respected, when he got older, there was no money coming into Oral Roberts' ministry. And he said he was getting mad about it because he was talking to somebody who helped out with Oral Roberts' ministries. And he said, man, what is the what's the problem with these people not giving to Oral Roberts? He goes, they're all dead. All his partners passed away. And he didn't do as good a job as he should have reaching that next generation so there was no finances coming in anymore. And his ministry wasn't the same as it once was. That was, that was a problem. And let me not, I'm not blaming Oral Roberts for that. You know what? You know whose job that was to help him reach the next generation? His sons and daughters. To help him reach that next generation. But Willie George was, he was just sharing his heart. He gave that example of Dr. Orr Roberts and a couple other well-known ministers we all know that were very prominent in the past moves of God. But once they got older, their ministries really waned. Their churches didn't seem like they were thriving. They were still awesome. 
but it seemed like their churches weren't really going many places. And he was saying how so many of us could get so tuned into reaching one generation, we forget about the next one. And then when that generation starts going home, there's nothing left. Because we weren't preparing to leave a legacy or an inheritance to the next generation. You know, he said this about his church. You know, his church, he's always had a larger church, but his church has continued to grow and is very influential in the body of Christ Church on the move. And he said this. He said, we've never apologized for having... He said they spend 80% of their finances on children's ministry and youth ministry. And he says, I've never apologized for trying to reach that next generation and pouring into the children's and youth ministry. And he said when he decided that, a lot of older people fought him on the idea of pouring all that money and resources into reaching the next generation. He said a lot of people fought him on that. And he said this, he said, the kids I poured my heart into in children's church now are on my staff and make me look good now. Okay, all those people that were talking junk to him are no longer with us anymore. And now he's got one of the most influential churches around the country, Church on the Move. And notice what, because his priority was pouring into the next generation, he said, some of the kids I taught in children's church are now on my staff. And he goes, they just make me look good to this next generation. He said, all I got to do at my church is they just hand me the mic and tell me where to go. And he said, I preach. That's all I do. But notice, if he wouldn't have poured into that children's ministry and that youth ministry, he wouldn't have had anybody there to help him out. And you don't realize maybe some of these young people that are helping you are going to be on your staff one day and help you reach their generation. And they will put the tools in your hand that all you got to do is get up and preach, and they will help you reach that next generation. And that's what he said. All those kids I poured into, and people would make fun of me for doing Gospel Bill, and people would make fun of me for spending all this money. He said, they are on my staff today, and they make me look good. And my church is thriving and flourishing because of those young people I poured into that are now on my staff. And some of these young people are 40 years younger than him. But you notice he poured into them, so what? when they grew up, they're pouring back into his ministry. Here's a quote, and we're going to get to uh, some real practical steps. He said this quote, If the pastor is too cool to be associated with kids, a generation later the kids will be too cool to attend his church. Wow. We repeat that one more time for the hearing impaired. Listen to this pastor, senior pastors. If the pastor is too cool to be associated with kids or youth, notice this, a generation later, the kids or youth will be too cool to attend his church. Hello, somebody. And notice, a lot of those same pastors are going to blame those kids on being rebellious and demonic and making bad choices. Maybe you didn't make them a priority when they were younger, so don't be surprised when they don't attend your church later on. Real, real talk. That was real talk. Come on, Pastor Sandy. We got to say it. A lot of people are so afraid to, afraid to say this, but this is what's shooting our, ourselves in the foot. That's why Dad asked me to say this, right? He did this, not me. So notice that if the pastor is too cool to be associated with his kids or youth, a generation later, the kids will be too cool to attend his church. And notice that pastor cannot blame anybody 
but himself. Senior pastors, respectfully, can you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> I know I haven't been in ministry that long, but can you respectfully hear what I'm saying? And don't blame it on all your young people. Realize maybe the problem's with you, and you were too cool to hang out or too cool to invest in the children's and youth, so they're too cool to attend your church. They'll go somewhere where they value them. So number one, uh, I just have, I think, three or four things here. Just some, some steps or keys, I feel like, to, to relate to youth or young adults and to reach them. And uh, they're real practical. And first of all, I want to say before this, uh, well, let's write down the first one, then I'll get to it. Number one, be relational. Be relational. And I'll explain that in a second here. You guys doing okay? Yeah. All right. Number one, be relational. These are just some practical keys and tips to uh, reaching youth and young adults. And I wrote down here somewhere else, it's really not that hard for me to reach youth and young adults since I am one. So it's not like <laughs> some of you older people might need to make a little bit more effort. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, because some of the people actually in our age group that come are like as old as me. So it's not like, you know, there's much of an age gap. So we're kind of interested in the same type of things. And, you know, it's a little bit easier for me to relate to them. But that doesn't mean you can't relate to them. And we'll get to that in a second. So I put down here before this because I said real talk. This is just something I've observed. I've spoken with dad about this before which was kind of disturbed me before, was I've noticed, not just with our company, but in a lot of kind of word of faith, word, of, word and spirit type circles, there's not a lot of young people. I said, I was talk, talking real talk. I'm, I'm treaded on tender territory, I know. But just with traveling with dad, there's not a lot of youth and young adults in a lot of these churches, and that's a problem. And that, that disturbed me, that bugged me. And we got to say it because that's the truth. And we can't blame all the seeker-friendly churches in our community. They got all the young people. Maybe they're doing something actually right. I didn't say everything they're doing right, but they might be doing something right to reach some young people, for goodness sakes. If what we got is so good, why wouldn't we try to get into the next generation? Because we could try to criticize the big churches in our community that are doing this. At least they're reaching somebody. If what we got is so awesome, then why is there like five people at our church? Because maybe we're doing something wrong. I said real talk. I don't take any of it back. So we got to realize this and judge ourselves. You know, our company, you know, the Word of Faith, we're in spirit type people really haven't done a good job reaching young people. And that that disturbs me. I don't know if that disturbs you because I know what we have here and I know how precious the revelations we're getting, the impartations we're getting, and I don't know about you, that disturbs me that the next generation is missing out on this. You know, I put down here, treading lightly, you know, it's awesome that we have revelations on faith, healing, prosperity, all these things, walking in a strong anointing, but all of that is pointless if there's no one to carry it on. Okay, you got an awesome revelation. 
and you got a strong anointing, but if there's no one there to receive it, then who is that for? Yourself? Then you having that revelation and that anointing was pointless that you had it if you didn't pass it on to anybody, isn't it? So who cares if you can preach circles around somebody and walk in a strong anointing? If there's no one there to receive it, it's pointless. And that's what I see. I know a lot of men that are walking in a strong anointing, preaching strong revelations, but if there's no young people there to carry it on, it was pointless that they had it to begin with. It had to be said. It has to be said. And I'm saying this not so we'll, you know, get condemned about this, but it will inspire us to actually do something about this. To say, well, you know, I'm not going to keep it to myself. And some of you younger people in here that are with your pastors, why don't you help them reach a generation and stop criticizing them for not reaching a generation? See, I saw that in a lot of my friends. Instead of helping our pastors reach a generation, they just started being critical of our pastors. And I said, I'm not going to be critical because that's going to add to the problem, not subtract from it. But I'm going to help them reach a generation, not say, well, they don't do this and they don't do that. No, I'm going to help them reach them. You know, all these great men of God that we see, like a Brother Hagin, a Dr. Summer, or Roberts, their sons and daughters, their responsibility was to help them reach that next generation, not be critical of their fathers and mothers in the faith. But say, I'm going to help you reach them. Maybe you don't know everything on, on maybe how to relate to some people, but I will help you reach them because what you have is important to the next generation. So like I said, all this revelation and anointing you got is pointless if there's no one there to carry it on. Dr. Sharmel said, if you don't have a successor, you're a failure. I know that's pretty blunt, but if you don't have a successor, you're a failure. You know, we're going to have to do something more, and I wrote this uh, couple things down here. Like I said, number one, be relational. I'm going to deal with that. But you're going to need something more than uh, a Carmen Riot VHS and you guys doing donut eating contest for your youth. It's got to be more than that. Okay. God bless Carmen. But they're going to need something more than a Carmen VHS and a donut eating contest for you to have an awesome youth and young adults. That's not going to keep them. The world's giving them a lot more interesting things than an old Carmen VHS and some donuts. All right? And it's sad because I've been to churches and that's the extent of their youth and young adults ministry. Like, that's going to attract them. Man, we got this awesome 1982 VHS of Carmen. Man, this is going to bless you. And man, the special effects on that, oh, you're going to love that. Man. Man, Satan bite the dust and oh my goodness. Man, Carmen Riot, Armor of God, come on. Man, you're going to need something more than a Commander Kelly Super Kids Academy to reach them, all right? You're going to have to. So, see, so I see a lot of churches, they're still using the same old things that worked like in the 60s. And that doesn't work anymore. The word works, but some of these side issues need to change. All right, they don't want to watch a Gumby episode in youth group. That's not going to get the word of God in them. See, I know. I knew that. 
So I'm sorry if I offended anyone with that Carmen comment. But it's sad because I've been to some, I've been to some churches. Let me just say this with, with Dad. And that's kind of their extent of their youth and young adults ministry. Like they're reaching somebody. And I'm thinking, those people will laugh at you. Those young people will laugh at you and say, are you serious? First of all, you still got a VHS player and I have an iPod. How does that work? You can't even buy VHS anymore, but you still got one in the church. You know, yeah. And you got, you got your tape table out there with your cassette tapes. You know, just, just give it up. All right, I need to get, get going here. So number one, be relational. And I wrote this down because this is a priority with, uh, with our leaders at the church here. And I, I tell this to our youth and young adults leaders all the time. Number one, be relational. If you don't like hanging out with young people, then you're not going to be a leader. If you don't want to get involved in young people's life, then you're not going to be a leader. Because we don't need more people just preaching to them. We need people that are actually in a relationship with them. And let me say this, you know, all age groups appreciate this, but especially youth and young adults, if you don't have a relationship with them, they don't care what you have to say whatsoever. They don't care. And you can say, well, I'm the pastor. They need to listen to me. They don't know you, and they do not care what you have to say. Do they? They don't know you. You'd be like, they need to respect me. I'm the pastor. Do you act like you care about them? Are you in a relationship with them? Because that's one thing I've noticed, especially with youth and young adults. If there's no relationship, they don't care what you have to say whatsoever. They don't. If they don't trust you, if you haven't poured anything into their life, if you're going to try to come correct them, that's not going to work. And you know what? That, that on your side is going to take some effort on you, your side as a pastor and leader to actually get involved in some young people's life. And notice, and have some leaders around them that are willing to get in their life, are willing to go out to eat with them, are willing to take them to the mall, are willing to do things with them and get involved with their life. Why? Because they, trust me, they will not care what you have to say unless you're involved in their life. They won't. And you could try to say, well, I'm the pastor. They need to respect me. They don't care. You know, if you don't have a relationship with them and you try to correct them all the time, it's all it's going to breed is rebellion. And we wonder why we got a bunch of rebellious church kids is because you haven't poured into them and acted like you cared and then you're trying to correct them all the time. Quiet in this Methodist church this evening. So number one, you got to be relational. You got to be willing to get into relationship with youth and young adults, young people, and then they'll actually listen to what you have to say. But until then, they don't care. That's just the way it is. That's the way I've learned it is. They do not care if you try to come and correct them. All it's going to breed is rebellion because they're like, you don't even care enough to take me out to eat, but you're going to try to come correct me all the time. You don't care enough to get involved in my life, but then you just want me to do all these things for you. It doesn't work like that. So if you want to reach youth and young adults, you're going to have to be in relationship with them. They, they care about relationships. Every age group does, but especially that age group. And you know what? The group that we have now they actually somewhat, let me say somewhat listen to me, somewhat listen to me because we've been doing this thing for a long time together. And I don't just say I love you on Thursdays 
we hang out on Fridays. I don't just say I care about you on Sunday, but we do stuff on Saturdays, and I make it a priority that we hang out all the time. Because I'm not just here so I can get something from you, I'm trying to get something to you. And I care about your life, and I care about, I care about who you marry, and I care about where you work, and I care about your whole life, not just that you just show up at youth group. I care about you as a person. And that's why we have a, a, a really a thriving youth and young adults ministry here because we actually care about each other. And we're all in relationship with each other. But if I didn't, it wouldn't be like that. If the other leaders we have didn't really pour into their lives, it wouldn't be like that. But notice that takes effort on my part. It's going to take effort on your part too to be in real relationship with them. Number two, be real. Real talk. Be real. So number one, be relational. And number two, be real. I put this down here because some of you could think, which I addressed this earlier, that you know, if, if I don't just use all the lingo right and I don't look like them, then they're, they're not going to respect what I have to say. That's not true. Can I, let me just say that. You don't have to be 24. You don't have to wear skinny jeans. All right. <laughs> you don't have to use all the, the lingo that everybody uses to reach young people. What I'm about to say is about to free you senior pastors up a little bit. So number two, I said be real. Why? Because you being real and just being yourself with them, they're going to respect than you trying to put on something to these young people because they can see right through that fakeness. Listen, if dad walked in youth with skinny jeans and a blonde mohawk, they would be like, he's a joke. I do not respect that whatsoever. Wouldn't. Wouldn't they? <laughs> they wouldn't respect that. So that's why I put number two, you need to be real. And, and that's, that's what they're going to respect. And that's, that's what they're going to uh, cherish and value in you. Not that you're trying to put on something in front of them, but you're just yourself with them. And they will respect that a lot more than you trying to just talk the latest lingo that you don't talk in real life. And dressing some way that you don't dress in real life. They're going to respect you being you. I just freed you senior pastors up. You don't have to talk different around them to make them respect you. They respect you if you're just you and you're transparent with them. You know, our pastors do a really awesome job reaching the children and the youth of this church. Why? Because they're real with them. They're genuine with them. Like I said, Dad doesn't have to dress up any special way. Dad can come preach in a suit and tie and talk the way he's always talked, but they respect that more than him trying to put on something up here to reach young people. You know what? The youth and young adults in our church respect that. Why? Because they know that's him. If he wears a suit and tie in real life, then why don't he wear a suit and tie here? Why try to put on something? They can see through that. Young people are smarter than you think. They can see through you just trying to talk the lingo and trying to dress a certain way to reach them. So that's not what's going to reach them. That's what certain people say. If I did this right and this right, that would reach them. Not necessarily. Be you. If you wear a suit and tie when you preach somewhere else, wear it to youth. Be you. Don't try to change your whole talking uh, uh, to try to relate to them. 
they'll see through that and be like, pastor doesn't talk like that in real life. What is he saying right now? He didn't even know what that word means. <laughs> so number one, be relational. Number two, be real. Why? Because they will respect you that you're transparent and real with them. Amen? We're almost done here. Number three, be fun. <laughs> Number three, be fun. If if I gone too long so far, I don't know what time I started. All right, I'm getting close. I'll know if Miss Crystal pulls a little bit more out of me, I might keep going. So number three, be fun. And I wrote this down. I know some of these you'd be like, okay, duh, that's simple. Like, be real, have relationships, be fun. But so many people don't even know these basic things. And I'm just saying these are things that I have thought about and that will help you to reach youth and young adults. Be relational. They're all about relationships. And that's not just me speaking. I've read several articles about things to reach this next generation. They've all said they're all about relationships. They're all about being... Leaders being real and transparent with them. Not putting on a show, but being real and say, hey, I made a mistake here. This is how you can avoid it. I'm not perfect. This is what I've done here. This is who I really am. And they will respect that more than you trying to put on something for them. So number three, be fun. And you've got to realize there's a lot of churches that are not fun. And it's not God's fault. <laughs> then whose fault is it? But we got to realize this. If we want youth and young adults in our church, our, if our churches are not fun or enjoyable, if there's no joy of the Lord there, then why would they want to come? They go a lot of other places and have more joy and fun. A water park, for goodness sakes. You know, they could, they could go to a dance party and have more fun than, than most churches are. And a lot of churches are just not fun. And it's not God's fault. It's our fault. You know, a thing you need to ask yourself and we've talked about this with some of the leadership and uh, the Corey is if I was a visitor walking in, would I want to come? Would I make it a priority to come? If I wasn't the one actually preaching or on the praise and worship team, would I want to come to my own church? And I've answered that question both ways. Some nights I would have said, mm, not really. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have came to my own service. In other nights, I would have said, okay, yeah, I want to come if I was just a young person off the street. But we got to ask those questions to ourselves. Would I want to come to my own church if I wasn't preaching? If I wasn't ministering, would it be enjoyable? And if you can't answer that question, answer that question, ask some young people in your church. And don't be offended at what they say. Senior pastors, if you're brave enough, ask some young people you trust. If, if I was just a, a random young person... Would I want to come to you, this church? Would I think it was enjoyable? Would I think it was fun? Would it be something I would be attracted to? If you can't answer that, ask some young people. They'll tell you the truth. You know, the thing is, and I mentioned this before, is a lot of times the church is envious of the world, but the, the world should be envious of the church. And a lot of churches are not that way, and that's a problem. The churches are not fun. The, the churches are not full of joy. They're not full of peace. And they're not like what Jesus meant it to be, that the church would be the most exciting, most powerful, most enthusiastic, most amazing thing on the planet, and everything else would be envious of the church. 
not vice versa. But the sad part is a lot of people, young people that grow up in church, they see people having a better time outside of the church. That's why they're attracted to somebody outside of the church. And it shouldn't be that way. Listen, as the church, we should make the people in the clubs wish they were us. We should make the frat houses wish they were us. We should make all the people that think they got it going on wish they were us because we got the joy of the Lord. And we have the peace of God. And this is the most exciting place to be. The most fulfilling place to be. And not vice versa. I'm not envious of the world. They're envious of me. But as a church, if you put out the vibe that, you know, there's something better out there, we're just trying to hold on to Jesus comes back. Which a lot of churches are like that. Why would they want to come there? I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to come there. I'd go do something better with my life on Fridays and Saturday nights and Sundays than go to church. So you've got to ask yourself, is this a fun, exciting environment, or am I just fooling myself here? You know, there is a time to be serious, but I put down here, you know what? Have a fun time. Laugh. The one thing about the core group, we laugh all the time. All the time. Whether we're out in public or not, we laugh all the time. Anywhere we go, it's always a party. It's always fun. Why? Because we're living the best life. We're living the most fulfilling life. We're not, like, envious of anybody else. And we realize that God has meant you to live your life and live it more abundantly, and this is the best life, the most fulfilling life. You know, it says in the Word, God sits in the heavens and laughs. He knows how to have a good time. Then why do most church people don't know how to have a good time? I put something down here real quick as we close here. You know, if you're always getting up and and there's not a fun, joyful, peaceful, fulfilling environment, exciting environment at your church, and you're always getting up serious and angry, how is that going to attract anybody to your church? Because the way you preach, the way you act, the what you embody, that's what they're going to think God is like. So why would young people want to come to church when they think God is grumpy? and angry and serious all the time. They wouldn't. Hey, but that's the way a lot of pastors are. Let me say it. That's the way a lot of pastors are. And no wonder nobody comes. No wonder no young people come. Why? Because it should be the most fulfilling, fun-filled, exciting place to be on the planet. And last but not least, you guys get anything today? Last but not least, Number four, this is just, some of this is really practical, is some of you senior pastors, if you have some on-fire young adults and youth in your church, you need to start having them help you out. I didn't say take over the youth ministry. I said help you out. It would help you. Just with some practical things about reaching young people, doing things to help you, maybe updating some things. It would help you. So if you got some trusted youth and young adults, you should let them run with some things in your church. Not that they're in charge of everything, but you should let them run with some things to help you reach that next generation. And I tell you, some of, some of these youth and young adults have so many gifts and talents in your church, but if you keep trying to hold on to everything, they will never develop that gift. And you're saying, well, I'm not reaching anybody. Well, maybe the answer is right in your second row, and they're trying to help you. They're young adults, and they're just waiting for you to ask them to help you. And they can help you. Let me repeat. I'm not saying give them the whole youth ministry and let them just run wild with it. You still be in charge, but have them say, hey, can you come help me with some of these things? 
because I know you're a young person and maybe you can help me think about some things differently. But notice what that's going to take. That's going to have to say that you're going to be humble enough to say that to somebody. And you guys as leaders, senior leaders, senior pastors, it's going to take humility to say to some young people, can you help me out with something? But it's going to be worth it that you said it. It's going to be worth it that you said it. How bad do you want to reach the next generation? That's the question you've got to ask. You used to say, I'll do anything it takes to reach the next generation. And last but not least, let's turn over to Psalms 145. Psalms 145. Well, I didn't offend too many of you, did I, today? (laughs) I offended her, she said. Okay. And like I said at the beginning, I know you do. And like I said at the beginning, the reason churches stay ineffective and don't reach the next generation is because no one ever talks like this. When this is the actual issue that's messing a lot of us up. So real quick, I'm going to go over them real quick. Number one, be relational. Number two, be real. Number three, be fun. And number four, if you've got some youth and young adults in your church that are on fire and that, that you trust, have them help you out. Have them give you some ideas and, and help you reach this next generation and get them involved because it's really going to help you. And like I said, those are just some things that I've learned that would help everyone here, no matter if you're 24 years old or you're 50 years old trying to reach young people. These are things that you don't have to look a certain way or talk a certain way to reach them. So lastly, I just wanted to say this before we read this verse, is some of you could look at, you know, because I've gotten people say stuff about, like, our youth and young adults and, I appreciate it, but I see a lot of youth and young adults ministries in the United States around the world that are doing a thousand times more than we are. And so usually people think they're giving me a compliment. I'm thinking, hey, we're like preschool compared to some of these people that I'm looking at. And so I appreciate that when some of you guys have given us compliments in about the quarry or youth and young adults, but you, we got to get a bigger vision than that. Because, you know, I appreciate, you know, we probably got about 60 young people that come regularly on Thursday nights. And I appreciate those young people, and I love those young people, but realize on my side, I'm not thinking that that's anything special. I'm thinking, we're just getting started here. This is just like baby stuff. Like, people are saying, oh my gosh, you got 60 young people. Like, I'm thinking, we're rejoicing over this, and we got thousands and thousands and thousands of high schoolers, middle schoolers, college age people in this region. And yeah, we do need to rejoice at the 60, but we don't need to be satisfied at the 60, for goodness sakes. So realize on my side, I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, they think I'm awesome. I'm looking at other youth ministries saying like, man, we're barely even getting started here. I was trying to get this thing off the ground with that many people. And I heard uh, Pastor Judah Smith say this before, and I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. He said, there will come a day that there will be youth pastors and senior pastors that will not be satisfied, specifically talking about youth pastors. He said they will not be satisfied with 60 kids showing up on a Thursday night, 100 kids showing up, but they will not be satisfied till they see high schools saved, middle schools saved, colleges saved, 
Cities change, counties change, states change, nations change, and they're not going to be satisfied with, hey, we got 100 kids on Thursday night. That's awesome. When you think about that and you think about how many young people are in this area, it's like we just didn't do anything. There's like tens of thousands of young people in this region, and we got 100 here, and we're like, oh, my gosh, we're taking over the, uh, New Albany. No, we're not. I, real talk. No, we're not. We will, but we haven't yet with that those kind of numbers. And sometimes we got to like readjust our thinking because we could fool ourselves. We got 50, 60 people coming and we're thinking we're changing the world. When there's a lot bigger world out there that still needs to be reached. And we appreciate and we honor the 50 or 60, but realize let's not stop there and act like we accomplished something, but realize there's people to be one. There's middle schools, colleges, high schools to be emptied out and in the house of God to be saved and healed and delivered. And let's not just get satisfied with our small youth group. And I'm going to be one of those people that are not going to be satisfied with the 60. I appreciate them. I love them, but that's just the drop of the bucket. And you know what those 60 are? Those 60s are the leaders that are going to help me reach the thousands. All 60 of those, they're going to be the leaders to reach the thousands. So as we close, don't get satisfied. <laughs> Rejoice, enjoy. I mean, I mean, don't get upset and, you know, irritated and fatigued at the 60. Love them, but don't be satisfied. Like the Apostle Paul said, I'm full and hungry at the same time. I'm satisfied in what I got, but I'm reaching for more. So lastly, I'm going to read it from the message, Psalms 145.4. In the message, you can just listen. It says, generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Notice this, each one tells your mighty acts to the next generation. Notice that generation after generation stands in awe of your work, and each one tells your mighty acts to the next generation. Would you guys get anything today? Well, I appreciate you guys listening to me, listening to this young buck preach tonight. I mean, this morning. So I appreciate you guys for coming out. Thank you. Thank you, pastors. Thank you for bringing me into the planet. I appreciate both of you. So.